Tyranny. It's as American as beer and baseball. This is the America Beer, Baseball, Tyranny podcast with your hosts, Joshua Sopko and Aaron Bloomer. Hey, Josh. What's up, buddy? How are you doing? Turn my, over there. I'm turning my phone to airplane mode <laughs> so it doesn't uh, vibrate and go off because my wife is blowing me up. Uh-oh. Knock it off, Brittany. <laughs> What's up? How are you? I'm doing well. What's this little blue can we got going over here? Yeah, this is the uh, the sales guy at the old liquor store. He Point. sold you into this? <laughs> he did, believe it or not. I was trying to get the uh, so, uh, assortment of six-pack, yep. and I had the two of three options done, and I needed a third, and he said, well, I got this uh, grain belt blue. Hmm. And I said, I like grain belt. Blue's my favorite color. Sold. You know, as much as as much grain belt as I've drank <laughs> in my lifetime, I've honestly never had this one. Well, it is a blueberry lager. Which honestly makes me kind of cringe a little bit. Made with real blueberry juice. The can is blue. It's very pretty blue. <laughs> that was nice. Good little sound effect there. <laughs> it comes in a can. It's very, it's purpley blue colored. Like blueberries. You should probably have poured it out. Yeah. You know, in hindsight. Uh, so that's what we got today. Grain belt blue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the first very, drink not uh, to your liking? Very sweet. It almost has Ooh. like a winey flavor, like wine flavor too. Oh, well. You know what, though? I do, you know what I do know? Is that this Constitution thing <laughs> is, what, 200-ish years old? Yeah, 220. Should probably just get rid of it. <laughs> or change it. Or or interpret it based on the uh, time of the day. Yeah, that, maybe that. So there's this, um, I guess, what, what do you call it? Just like a... Uh, interpretation that the Constitution is a living and a breathing document. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. So is, what the con- is the Constitution a living and breathing document? Right, so what does that mean, living and breathing document? Meaning you can interpret it however? Interpret it by the modern definition of the language used in the document. That's, that's, that's the conversation. It's okay. used mostly by leftists, by the liberal crowd. They like to interpret the Constitution uh, based on the needs and the definitions of a modern today society. And they say the Constitution is old. We can't use that as our guiding light for the laws and legislation and rulings that we need to use today. Um, yeah, I, I, I get that a little bit. Because 2020 is very different than 1770s, whatever. Do you know when the Constitution was? Uh, 1778. R- wrong. 1776. Wrong. Wrong. I gotta turn it up. Wrong. <laughs> 1777. 89. Oh. 76, we went to war. <laughs> 
I love that thing, man. That's so cool. Uh, 1789 is when we got a constitution. Hmm. Okay. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. We need to get the constitution put up back here on our wall. We need a... Uh, I, I told you we should do that, and you're like, no. Yeah, I, I said the Bill of Rights would be better. Or, or the Declaration of Independence. That's that's what I wanted to have up on the wall. Right. And that was drafted in 1776. July 4th. This eighth button should be a I'm a dumbass <laughs> sound. Okay, so is the Constitution a living? So here, here's where I think people think, okay, well, yeah, like why are we following this document that was created by a handful of dudes? Literally 55 of them. Uh, 220 years ago, the world is very different now than it is, than it was back then. So there should be differences. And I'm, I don't know if interpreting it is, is what I believe, but I do think like, I don't know. It just, it just brings up the question and I'm glad we're kind of talking about it. So, yeah. And I think the reason why we're talking about it is because that's, that's the conversation that comes up is people refer to the constitution as, you know, this is, this is why the government can't uh, do this or shouldn't do this. And uh, they'll say, well, you know, the constitution says this and they say, wow, the constitution uh, is second amendment. People use it all the time or, or anti two way people use it all the time. They sure. say we shouldn't, you know, the, the constitution never intended uh, to automatic, have rifles. automatic rifles and guns and tanks and, you know, for the general public use. And it's like, well, it kind of was because the original interpretation or the original intent, I should say of the second amendment was people, citizens, individuals should have guns to protect themselves specifically from the government. That, that's the point of that specific. And so as technology evolves, it's just, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can only use the technology back in 1789. Right. When the government has semi, actually the government has automatic rifles. Citizens and, don't. And drones. And drones. And we should have drones and tanks. And yeah, my neighbor has a drone and somebody called the police on him the other day. No, no, yeah, they did. It was pretty funny. He was chasing geese with it, <laughs> and somebody called the police. That's unconstitutional. The uh, <laughs> cops, the cops were like, "Just don't fly it over there. Fly it somewhere Golly. else." Because he he didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing illegal. What he was doing? Bunch but. of Karens. It probably was. Uh, what were we talking so, about? Yeah, so that's 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 why we're talking about this. Is is, is people run into that conversation all the time? So we want to kind of unpack what that means and maybe how to address it, I guess, or why yeah. why that statement that the Constitution is a living, breathing document is false and wrong on basically every level. Okay, go. You ready? Okay. The Constitution will stop s- it. <laughs> we'll start. I meant, I meant go. We'll start. Uh, with the fact that the Constitution is a contract. It is a contract between the federal government and the states. So not between me and you. Well, I mean, we can. that's a whole other conversation to get into some other day. Regardless, it is a contract. I mean, the Fourth Amendment kind of makes it about me and you and the federal government with the privileges and immunity clause. Regardless, it is a contract set up between the people and the states and the states and the federal government, right? Right. Even we, even then, we have state constitutions. That contract, by definition, cannot be living and breathing. For the same reason that you wouldn't sign a mortgage contract with you and your bank, knowing that it can change with the times. 
So you say, I'm going to pay X for the house. I expect the bank to do this. You come up with an agreement. You sign it on the data line. And then six months later, the bank comes in and says, well, we need you to do this. And you say, that's not what I agreed to. And they say, well, things are different now. Yeah. The times have changed. That, that mortgage documents for 30 years. The so, constitutions for infinity. So in 28 years, can they just change the, the context of that document and you have to be okay with it? No, can I go to them and maybe say after 2200 years it's like time to take another look at it. Yeah, yeah, we can take we can take looks at it, but we can't just randomly interpret it and say, well this is okay based on what's going on today in modern time. You can amend the contract and both parties need to agree to that. Sure. And that's but that's not a living and breathing contract. How do you amend the constitution? <laughs> it's a process. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, get the house and the senate to both approve the bill. Um, by a measure of three quarters, I believe, um, each of them have to pass it. And then it goes to the states, and another 75% of them uh, need to ratify that amendment. So they also need to agree that so they want I, this to be part of it. Do you and me get to vote on it? Uh, or is it the state legislature? It's the state legislature. You, there's Isn't things weird? you can do. Don't well, you think it should be like a public vote? No, because that would that would ruin the representation piece of the entire document. But you can get into, like, Article 5. Um, so technically, we could do that. We could get a group of states together, and we could um, elect a special representative representative body uh, and do some kind of weird crafting there. And Article 5 is a whole other, like, thing. We'll have to talk about Article Maybe. 5 someday. But regardless, the, the point that it, it is a contract, and you can't just change the contract based on the definition that changed or because society changed – you need to amend the contract and update it. Like, that's okay and fair, and the, and the founders put in provisions specifically to do that. Okay, so this notion that the um, Constitution is a contract, how do we know that is fact? Or how do we know like that it was written as a contract? <laughs> Let's see. What do the founders have to say about that? Good old TJ, Thomas Jefferson. TJ! He had something to say about it, even though he wasn't a founder, technically. He was over in Paris at the time that it was drafted. But he said on every every question of construct, let us carry ourselves back to the time when the Constitution was adopted. Recollect the spirit manifested in the debates, and instead of trying what meaning may be squeezed out of the text or intended against it, conform to the probable one in which it was passed. Thomas Jefferson. Okay, so tell me what that means in English. (laughs) He's saying, as a government and as a people, we cannot interpret the Constitution based on what we want it to say. We have to go back to its original intent of, of what it was written as in order to understand what it was intended to do for society. That means you have to look outside of just the Constitution. You have to look out at the people that wrote the Constitution, what they said about each individual clause. Take, for example, the General Welfare Clause. This is the one that's used all the time that says government has the power to do X because it's for the general welfare of the country. But that's not true. That's not true at all on any level or any claim that you could make. The General Welfare Clause is derived based on how government can spend money that they get from taxes, from excise taxes, tariffs, like a very specific limited control and that has been wiped out the door ever since the early 1900s when the Supreme Court said, well, general welfare clause doesn't mean what you think it means. It means the government can do whatever they want 
and context and spend money on whatever they want and tax on whatever they want based on the 13th Amendment. So it opens up the door that government can do whatever they want based on their feeling of that day, literally. That's what a living and breathing a living and breathing constitution is a dead constitution. It doesn't provide any securities. It doesn't provide anything that means anything to anybody. So how do we know intent? We read outside of the context of the constitution based on the people that wrote those clauses and interpreted those clauses when they were drafted. So like what, their diaries? Yeah, and the letters. So James Madison, see, I was prepared. I took notes. Got it. James Madison, in a letter to Henry Lee, Henry Lee there's a little bit more that prefaces this specific part, but he's saying, uh, mimicking what Thomas Jefferson had written uh, long after what James Madison, who was the fourth president, had said, uh, he was prefacing saying, we can't just based willy-nilly based on modern day definitions or change definitions or, you know, well, I say that the definition means this and they say it means that because we get into that too. Like what is the actual definition of X, Y, or Z? And so James Madison is saying, we have to look at what the definitions of the writers who proposed the, the drafted legislation that was eventually passed. This is what he said. What a metamorphosis would be produced in the code of law. If it's all ancient phraseology were to be taken in its modern sense. James Madison to Henry Lee. That was his letter. So he's saying if we just, I mean, even 300 years from now, if we, if we still have the same constitution and we didn't use its phraseology of when it was founded, it means nothing. It's not good for anything. So we should, we should do that. Yes. And it's, and it doesn't or happen. We should just, and it doesn't happen because of our boy Woody. Woody is one oh. of the, Woody is one of the worst. I mean, it really started with Lincoln. Worst people. It, it really started with Lincoln. Uh, he kind of set the stage for a lot of what happens in the early 1900s, getting us into World War I and World War II. And, uh, but Woodrow Wilson kind of took a modern sense off of it, and then FDR really took that. I mean, so, so Lincoln provided this kind of framework. Woodrow Wilson uh, kind of built upon that framework, and then FDR, good old, good old Freddie, uh, he kind of took that and built something that we see today. And this is what uh, Woody said in 1912 as he was uh, campaigning. Society is a living organism and must obey the laws of life and not mechanics. It must develop. All that progressives ask or desire is permission in an era when development evolution is the scientific word to interpret the Constitution according to the Darwinian principles. All they ask is recognition of the fact that a nation is a living thing and not a machine. And so he and his policies set the stage that the Constitution means whatever we need it to mean today. And the government has the power to interpret that. Not us, not you and me. So they can say, look, war is coming. We need a draft. Can't yell fire in a uh, in a uh, theater, which is an interesting Supreme Court case that had nothing to do about yelling fire in a theater. It had everything to do with... Woody's killing us. (laughs) Woody's the worst. He killed a lot of us. I don't know. I think the the dangerous piece is that we have to interpret it. We can't talk to these people and understand what they really meant. But they wrote about it. And they they wrote about it on purpose because they knew we were going to have to look back at it. That's so, why they made their letters public. That's why they kept them. Uh, when the White House burned down, Martha, um, oh, who 
was it? It wasn't Martha. Anyways, uh, whatever first lady uh, went back into or, or told someone to go back in and go get all of these founding documents. Like you have to protect and save these because that's what that's what our country was built on was these documents and these letters. People need to read them again. Yeah. And they were saved specifically for the purpose to us go back and say, okay, so when they wrote this. Who went in they? and got them? I don't remember. A slave, I bet. It was <laughs> probably. She didn't go get them. E- equally. We have, and, and, and you kind of you kind of touched on this loosely too. You said, why can't we uh, just have this a public vote? Like majority rules, right? Democracy. The Constitution was, was designed and developed to protect the political minority. Meaning you and me. Meaning you and me, the little guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's meant to protect and set up our rights as individuals if we allowed this to be a living and breathing document open to influence based on someone else's excuse me, perception, it kind of destroys that. And we just say, well, it's living and breathing. We're going to change this based on the political needs and motivations of the day. It's good for the country, so it's good for everybody else. Yeah. It, it kind of takes away the individual out of that scenario, the political minority, the individual, uh, out of that context, and that's not what we were founded on. That's not what it was meant to do. So why do we why do we have this notion? Is it because we don't teach actual constitution yeah. in schools? Is it because people don't really understand their rights and their the constitution as it is? And I mean, uh, why do we have people? I mean, I understand why politicians because they just want power, right? But I, why why doesn't the common person understand why it's wrong? Because they also don't understand the role of government either. Because they're because government's supposed to protect us. <laughs> see, see two episodes ago. See previous conversation. <laughs> they don't understand the role of government. I mean, and 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 Woody set all this up too for education. I mean, he was terrible with education. He saw education, public institutions, as a way to control the masses to keep the population where they need to be um, to build on the industrial revolution, to make sure that we had a workforce that kept people poor, impoverished and a certain level of intelligence. And anybody that rose above that, rich, dumb people, anybody that rose above that or was already privileged enough, like good on them. They're the ones that rise to the elite status and they can be the politicians, the lawyers, the people that drive and control the country. And Woody Wilson set the stage for all of that based on this living, breathing constitutional notion. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have, as you kind of touched on too, we have taken that education, that history lesson out of schools. We don't teach the constitution. We don't teach original intent. We just, and and then you got the media. Or maybe we do, but the people who are teaching it are teaching it. It's not a part of the curriculum. Okay. (laughs) I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, you know. And then... uh, to kind of to kind of build on that, then you've got the media taking all this and saying, "Well, the you know you've got Fox News. Well, the Constitution says this, and CNN automatically hits back. Oh, you're going to cite this 220 year old document? I mean, really, really? That's what we're going with?" And then everybody else who is too blind to think for themselves just go, "Yeah, that's interesting. It's a two, like we don't live the way that they lived. We need to update this thing," mm-hmm. and they don't consider what updating means. They don't consider like an amendment. They just want to 
Oh, we interpret it differently. So now we can do this today, here and now, because the the amendment process is hard and it's hard for a reason. It's yeah. the, the fact that it takes a long time to pass through legislation, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. And the founders talked about that too. Like it should be hard. It should be hard to get this stuff passed through. Doesn't it seem like uh, a lot of the people who say, we can't, I mean, we can't use this government, this document that was, a, it, it's for like self-serving purposes. Well, yeah. In a way. Or it's it like, fits their narrative here and now. Well, it's not because, I mean, it says we can't have health care back then, but well, we didn't have health care back then. <laughs> so we got to have health care mm-hmm. now. You got to pay for all my stuff. The, uh, right? Like in a way, you know, or it's. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and that's another reason as, as you asked, like, why do we have this conversation? Well, yeah, health care doesn't fit into the Constitution. But could it have? Maybe, I don't. I don't think the founders would have ever dreamed of such a thing. Exactly right. That's why. So we could, at best, amend the Constitution to say that. But I don't. Is I don't right. even think they could, though, because healthcare one can't be a right. Which we're going to do an episode on that, anyways. Healthcare, like it physically, literally, cannot be a right. It doesn't work in the context of what we know of as rights. We need to change the context then. <laughs> that was a joke, guys. Come on. <laughs> But I don't even think the government could come up with a national health care system that was constitutional because it would subvert the state's rights, the Tenth Amendment. You can't have amendments that contradict other amendments. Right. I guess sort of some careful wording, I suppose you could, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you, at best, if you want to have a living and breathing constitution, then throw this one away and, and, and create a new system. Yeah, can you imagine, I mean, how hard it was to write the Constitution back then, but how impossible it would be to write one now. <laughs> with, with the advent of just media. And, and and the thing is, is that they wrote this Constitution in one summer in a closed room. They boarded up the windows, and they did it in secrecy. Which isn't good. It, it, it's, it's crazy to me that, that this is what we have. And then the In a good way or a bad way? In a, in a bad way. In, in, a, in a real bad way. Okay, what do you mean? So you're saying, because, yeah, because only 55 dudes. 50, and not all 55 of them. rich guys. And I think they started with more. Yeah, and then people just left. And people screens. just left because they're like, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not partaking in this yeah. shit system that your guys are building. And I'm probably going to get arrested for treason for saying such blasphemous things about our Constitution. And so just for clarification, I am not advocating that the Articles of Confederation was the system we should have stuck with. More more conversation after that, but I just want to clarify that there needed to be something different, and they went there to go and edit the Articles of Confederation, and there was a handful that went in there and like, yeah, we're going to throw this out, and this is what we're going to build. And then you see the after the next couple of years, so 1987 when it was drafted, 1989 is when it was officially ratified. So that two years, we see this handful of Federalist and Anti-Federalist paperwork come out that builds on the original intent. That's how we know what they meant when they were writing. That's how they were trying to sell the product to the people and say, this is why we're going to do this. And this is why we need this. And then you get into Shays rebellion, uh, which really pushed the narrative that we need this. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it can't be living in. You can't just change the contract is really what it comes down to. It's, It's really that simple. So you just don't listen to it then. Listen to. Listen to or adhere to the contract. I mean, uh, we have politicians who just say, 
I don't give a shit what the Constitution says. Yeah, we <laughs> we haven't but, been following it. That's for sure. Right. So what is, but so then that means that like we as a society or the populace are allowing it. Yeah, for sure. But would you say that the vast majority of people don't understand that they politicians just haven't been following it? Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a great pop episode, guys. Uh, I'll check it out. I don't know if you're looking for some dissent, but... No, I, mean, I don't think so, but I think... Uh, absolutely, the politicians do whatever the hell they want, and we go along with it. Don't you think, though, like, and maybe this is a different conversation, different episode, but, like, the common person doesn't give a flying F about what goes on in Washington. See, other problem of society... Yeah, and but but like because it's just like oh okay well this random rich guy a random rich girl that sits in this seat that's supposed to represent me when I'm this is a hypothetical but I'm making a penny over minimum wage and I'm struggling to do this and I'm struggling to do that and they're talking about doing all this shit over here and it's like I think people are so checked out of politics just even in general like. Sure. There's, I think there's a vast majority, it's probably the, probably the 80-20 rule. Probably 80% of people don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, you kind of see that in the polls too, right? Oh, for sure. And then it's 20 people who are the squeaky wheels who yell at each other on Twitter or who will comment on stupid things on Facebook. And like you can't have a legit conversation anymore. Right. Because it's so polarizing, which is so crazy. But like. I just don't think people care. And so then the politicians are out here just like, well, nobody gives a shit. So I'm going to just kind of do whatever the hell I want. And if I can push it through with nobody noticing, like, yay for me. And then all of a sudden we have socialism and tyranny. Yeah, maybe. And and here we are today trying, trying to educate people as to why this shouldn't happen and why it does happen. And yeah, I, I, hope, I hope, I think, I think with Trump being elected, whether you voted for him or not, whether you like him or not, with the, the COVID stuff, whether you thought everything worked out well, whether you, I mean, who knows how it worked out. We're in the kind of middle of it right now. I think people are taking more looks at the government and they're just kind of like, maybe these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> Which is, why should I listen? Fan-freaking-tastic. Exactly, 100%. Like, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't listen to Trump. You shouldn't. But you also shouldn't listen to Clinton. You shouldn't listen to Obama. You shouldn't listen to anyone anyway. Like you shouldn't listen to your governor and you shouldn't listen to your mayor and you shouldn't listen to your city council members. Right. Like at least and, and I shouldn't say don't listen to them. Take what they say with a grain of salt and question everything including yeah. their motives. Make up your own mind. Yeah, exactly. And and listen to the other side of it. And don't just follow what they say. It's, it's easy to do that. It, it is so easy. And and I'm glad you touched on this, this, this point that one positive from a political government standpoint of this whole pandemic crap is people are now looking to their local governments for solutions. Yeah, which I think they should be, right? It's fantastic. It's the think locally, act locally yeah. type of conversation, which is fantastic. 
and it's funny because people are clamoring. Trump needs to shut things down. Trump needs to you know shut down the country. And yeah. their governors took action and shut their state down. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, good. Our governor shut things down. And then Trump says, we're going to start reopening some of these states up. And they said, you can't do that because that's our state. Our governor said. It's like, well, 10 minutes ago, you said that yeah. you said that the president had control over your state. Now you're saying that they don't have control over your state. So now they're like, well, who does have control over our state? And then hopefully they'll do just a little bit of research to see the state has control over the federal government. Like they, they just do. It's the 10th freaking amendment. Right. Well, and that... Uh you know, you can make decisions for yourself. And you can make decisions for yourself. Like you don't have to have people telling you what to do all the time. Like, it's okay to not have that. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not saying that governors that did shut their states down were correct, but at least you can petition your governor a lot easier than you can petition Washington and get anything for sure. heard. And likewise, in our state, we had a governor that chose specifically not to shut our state down. And in our city, people clamored at our mayor to do so. And he supposedly was going to do something, but then he kind of and pushed then out on it. People showed up and told him not to, and he—I don't know if he listened, but yeah, he was, didn't go through with it. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering. Well, first of all, he can't go through with it. It still goes down to city council, sure, right? So, I mean, that's why it's like, hey, that was the first time, maybe ever, that I'm looking at our local government, and I'm like looking at everything that's going on, I'm looking at Trump's just like, yeah, you guys figure it out. And the governor, yeah. our governor is just like, I'm not going to do all this stuff just because people feel things. I'm going right. to look at the numbers. I'm going to try to do this. So then people are like, well, we got to do this locally. Mayor, you got to shut us down. You got to <laughs> shut us down. He's like, I can't. I can't shut us down. Like, it's not my in my authority to shut us down. But he put together this stupid stay-at-home order that needed to be voted on by our city council members. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I've watched an entire freaking city council <laughs> meeting. It was fantastic. I was there. I showed up. And the council members were like, this is stupid. This is terrible. <laughs> like, there's not, like, where, where I'm just like, holy cow. They're, they're, like, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. It was, like, the first time I was like, wow, this kind of was, like, government working. Like, or like working for us and like working for like what's best for their constituents at a minuscule level in a district in Sioux Falls, South Dakota compared to the entire nation. And it was really, it was, it was kind of, I mean, as nerdy or whatever as it sounds like, it was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I, Uh, I thought so. I was there. I got up and spoke. You did. Put it on our Facebook page. You go search it. Watch it. Watch watch me go accuse our, uh, not accuse, uh, mention to our mayor that he is potentially building a Gestapo-style police force. Yeah, you never got any kickback from that <laughs> comment. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, I don't know how we, I mean, we've kind of. We, we did. Take we, a left turn a little did. bit here from. The living, breathing document. But I think we covered that. Okay. Yeah, I think too is if we think about like we rely on this document or people rely on this document and they they think this document's going to either save or refute things. And it's just like it. the document laid out how things were supposed to happen or 
you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and like, so let's just do what's best for us at a lo- our local level at our yeah. area. Like we don't need this conglomerate government at a federal level to make sweeping legislation and things for people that affect us in wherever we're at. And making those sweeping decisions based on when somebody says, well, do you have the authority? And they look at the text and they say, well, based on what I read and based on the modern definitions of what needs to happen now, yeah, I do. I do have that authority. And that just sets the stage for a lot of bad things to happen. And and it's a lot of bad things that have happened. Do you think that uh, for the most part when people are like trying that interpretation argument, it's to um, like, what was I going to, I kind of lost my train of thought. I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I can bring up the war powers. Yeah, you talk maybe. I'll <laughs> so, I mean, just 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 for reference of something that has happened because we utilize a living and breathing document type of mentality in D.C. The War Powers in 1972. Like we gave our president sweeping power to do whatever the hell he wants, based on the escalation of foreign nations. And then that was updated in the 90s and again in 2001 when we all know what happened then. And now our president can nuke someone without ever even addressing Congress. And that's not okay. And the, and the Constitution is very clear on what the president can and cannot do via wartime powers. They, right. He needs to address Congress in order to do things like But it's got to be war. secret. It's got to be secret or else the enemy will know. Enemy will know. <laughs> Maybe they should know. <laughs> We're gonna nuke them. I mean, we did it in World War II, but the the point of the Constitution is they were very clear about what the executive cannot do. The, the executive cannot enact a wartime effort without getting congressional approval first, and then we were in a wartime situation. I mean, we were in the middle of the Cold War. Cold War. And things were hot, and they said the executive needs to act faster than what our Constitution allows, what our Congress can can provide for us to protect our country. And so we're going to do that because right. 220 years ago, they didn't have the power to launch a missile and go blow up hundreds of thousands of people. Like that didn't or exist. More. So therefore, we need to interpret this to the best of our ability for today's modern times. And they just went ahead and did it. Yeah. Because it's a living and breathing document. Uh, I remember what I was going to say. Do you think the Constitution emphasizes personal responsibility? And then when people go and try to throw their own interpretations, it's to take away personal responsibility and just leave decisions up to the government. That was kind of my thing. It's like, it seems like anytime somebody's like, well, this is how I interpret the constitution. It's so that person gains more power. Right. And then other people don't have to make decisions and take away their, their personal responsibility. And so it's just easier. Yes. But it may not be better. Yes. You know, it's definitely not better. <laughs> this beer. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It tastes like a juice box <laughs> with about six and a half cups of sugar in it. It is four and a half, uh, 4.7 uh, alcohol by volume in a 12 fluid ounce can. Uh, For a company that I revere, <laughs> I love Grain Belt. This beer sucks so <laughs> hard. The can says be the blue sheep of the family. Oh, go ahead. Be the blue sheep of the family. I'm giving this beer a 1.5. 1.5. I can't. It's so, it's, it doesn't taste like a beer. It tastes like, like a super sweet, terrible wine. Oh gosh. And this is hilarious. Just my to kids would drink you. this. Like they would drink it because it's just like, it tastes like juice. It's this so bad. Hilarious to watch you review this beer so poorly. I hate it. I'm going to give it a three. I thought. <laughs> Get out. I like, I like juicy beer, I guess, from time to time. My wife would drink this. Uh, she's not a beer drinker. She likes uh, Mike's hard lemonade type of type of thing. Um, and this is fruity and, and drinky enough that uh, she'd be okay with it. And while it is pretty sweet, for sure. <laughs> it's usually I have the like how much sugar is in this, like the nutrition. <laughs> it probably doesn't because it's beer. Uh, it's and it's just it's it's real blueberry juice, so it's natural sugar from the from the blueberries. Take legit blueberry juice. Like I'm sure you can buy blueberry juice, probably. Yeah, for sure. Add seven cups of sugar <laughs> to a glass, and that's what this tastes like. It's so sweet because blueberries are are sour. Right? Like if this was actually like actually like a blueberry flavor taste without so sweet, it may be good. It may be, be well, it, it would be better. But I just <laughs> I I didn't I didn't hate it. I makes me want to be angry. <laughs> I don't know, man. I will not buy a, a juicy beer again. Glad that I've never drank this beer before because it, it shows that my gut is correct. <laughs> <sighs> it came in a blue can. It was Grain Belt. The uh, the guy was like, "Hey, there's a Grain Belt blue," and I was like, "Oh, you should go back to the store." And like, guy, <laughs> you're fired. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. That is so good. BeerBaseballTyranny.com. Check us out on wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook. And go go subscribe to the YouTubes. Yeah. And there's like bell things and notification things. Do the things that you get notified of all the Tell us if you like us too. Tell or us if you hate us. If you don't. If you think that we're just kind of weird. This episode was going to be good until this shit beer. <laughs> <laughs>